Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. While you are hearing me speak right now, you should know that I am on a gorgeous, lovely Royal Caribbean cruise ship taking a uh, cruise vacation with my lovely wife, something I've been looking forward to for quite some time, but... My duties as host of Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger, do not subside simply because I take vacations over the course of today and next week. we got some really fun shows coming up for you. And really, these shows are going to serve kind of a purpose in that we're going to do two things. We're going to get you ready for Georgia spring practice, which will be here before you know it as we head towards the month of March when it will begin. And we're going to look at the rest of the competition around George in the SEC. There's so much player movement, so many different things going on. I think it's important to have a little bit of a primer on what else is happening around the rest of the league, and we will do that coming up over the course of our time together there as well. But if we're going to have a preseason conversation about George, about what the upcoming year is going to look like as Georgia tries to defend its national championship, I think it is really probably pretty appropriate to start with the quarterback position. And I think there are two very big questions that will be answered that need to be answered about the position here this spring and seeing how those questions get answered or observing how all this plays out I think it's going to be really pretty fascinating let me begin though before we get to spring of 2022 with a little bit of a look back at spring 2021 for a moment in terms of what Kirby Smart was saying about his quarterback position a year ago far before we knew that George would be the national champions and far before we knew that the quarterback who would eventually be the guy to lead Georgia to that national championship was Stetson Bennett. We didn't know any of that at the time, but this time a year ago, we still found Kirby Smart, the Georgia coach, in a pretty good place because Smart was just happy that he wasn't dealing going into last season with some of the same stuff he was dealing with going into the 2020 season when spring practice was totally eradicated because of kind of the start of the COVID pandemic and everything associated with that, that the up evil at the beginning of that season far different than it was before spring practice a year ago so before we get to how things are going to play out in 22 let's get a reminder of how things were playing out around this time in 2021 this is kirby smart from a year ago i mean there's light years ahead of where they were i mean we didn't have this last year so i can't even like answer that question because we didn't know anything last year we didn't know who we were we had no identity we didn't even know who jt daniels was right now um and, and we're just uh, we're, we're a lot different offensively. I mean, they're they're doing things that they weren't doing until uh, maybe halfway through the season last year, and they're doing lots of them. So, in retrospect, the fact that Georgia had so much success offensively last season, even if the guy that ultimately led that success was different than we would have initially predicted. There is a little bit of smart in that tone, the happiness about having a spring practice, the the fact that smart who doesn't throw compliments around very much, the fact that he was talking about this group being light years ahead of the, the the previous group. That is a little bit of a foreshadowing of the offensive success that Georgia would have eventually enjoyed. And that same kind of commentary also bled into other things that Smart said, a level of confidence about what he had at the signal caller position that was maybe different than some of the other years prior to that during his time at Georgia, this Kirby Smart again from last year. 
you know, that situation is just <laughs> turned completely yeah. opposite. You know, it's from not knowing. I think if we had had spring last year, I would have known a lot more. <laughs> not having the spring, not knowing anything, to go into a year like last year blind was really tough. And uh, I think, you know, this year I feel really good about three guys that could go in there and play winning football right now and uh, a young one that's going to be really good that's growing and getting better. So, first of all, I have no idea why that sounds like it was played off a record player. That, for some reason, that audio clip just kind of sounds weird like that. But still, once again, there's a level of confidence that Smart has about the quarterback position. Hey, three guys we feel really good about. Young guy coming up. That was obviously Brock Vandegrift. And I think for most fans, they were kind of more fixated on the JT Daniels uh, part of things based on what we saw on G-Day. It didn't really seem like Stetson Bennett was much of a thought process there. But then, boom. Uh, he does what he does, has the year that he has, and the rest is history. So that is where things stood a year ago, which leads us into the spring practice that's about to be on the rise in here once again. And there are two questions that I am very curious about getting answers to here this spring. And these may not be explicit answers from Smart himself, but we will observe how things play out, and that will allow us to answer these questions. To begin with, there is this. Will Stetson Bennett get the same treatment from Kirby Smart this year that JT Daniels got last year? Now, you heard Kirby Smart talking quarterbacks there a moment ago. But the most interesting thing that Kirby Smart actually said about his quarterbacks last spring, as spring practice was getting underway, was something on the Atlanta radio station 680 The Fan, where, and I've played this clip for you before, um, played it for you at the time, where Kirby Smart goes on the radio station and gave a declaration that he just hadn't very frequently given, naming JT Daniels as his starting quarterback, given previous opportunities to do that in previous years, certainly not in 2020, maybe in 2019, the final year Jake Fromm, definitely not in 2018 with 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 Fields and Fromm. Even in 2017, there was a little less of that before the season began than you might remember talking up Fromm a lot, even though Jake Cabeson appeared to be the established starter in 2016, kind of the same thing with Grayson Lambert and, and, and Jacob Eason, that Smart just was very shy about naming a starting quarterback. But last season, before last spring, JT Daniels did get that treatment from Smart. Before we kind of examine Bennett possibly being that guy this year, let's get a reminder of what Smart did say about JT Daniels at the time. Is there a true competition for the quarterback position going in to both spring and into the season, or is this JT's job? Well, it's JT's job. He's played the position. He's really on top of it. He's doing a good job in our offense. But it's not to say that we're not giving the other guys a look. I mean, Stetson Bennett is a, is a good football player, and we think he's very athletic. He creates a different dynamic. Carson Beck is a guy we've always thought a lot of. He's, he's a really good passer, and you know, he he didn't get the benefit of a spring practice. He didn't get the benefit of doing anything in college football. That now he's getting a ton of reps, and I think that's big. And then Brock is here with us, and he's very athletic, and he's done some good. Thing. So every guy is going to have an opportunity to play across our roster. But uh, JT is a guy that's proven himself, and we hope he continues to do so. And he brings about the the kind of best assets we have in our offense, which are some of the wideouts and some of the skill position guys. We've got to be able to use his strengths to get them the ball. So Smart says nice things there about Brock Vandegrift and Stetson Bennett, who eventually became the starting quarterback, and Carson Beck there too. But at the beginning of that clip from the Atlanta radio station, Smart says, it's JT's job. He is our starting quarterback, in other words. Something that Smart, prior to that in previous years, just had not said very frequently. And you're left to wonder, will there be a moment this spring where 
He looked at Stetson Bennett, the guy who did what no Georgia quarterback has done since Buck Ballou way back in the 1980 season, led Georgia to a national championship. Will Bennett get the same level of treatment? Will Smart speak on an interview or in a press conference or something along those lines? Will he say this is Stetson Bennett's job? I have to say that I am hopeful, and I'm speaking here as a fan for a moment, I am hopeful that Georgia has a little bit more of an open competition going into this season than it seemed to have last year going into the year with JT Daniels. And it's important that you consider multiple things to be true here at once. On the one hand, as I have repeatedly said, I think that Stetson Bennett will be very hard to beat out next season. Because by next season, I mean the 2022 campaign. I think it'll be hard to beat out simply because I think he played really well this past year. Clearly, the results spoke for themselves along the way to the national championship. But you also have other quarterbacks on this roster, guys like Carson Beck, who's now going into his third season. At some point in time, don't you owe it to yourself to find out what you have in him? And the practice field, to me, is the place where that's supposed to happen. I'd say the same thing as well about Brock Vandergriff, whose credentials as a recruit are you know clearly very high and going into a second season finding out what you have in him to me seems like an appropriate thing here to do and you know what given the chance to beat out Bennett Vandegriff as highly recruited as he was back as seasoned in the program as he is now he's been here for quite some time that they may just not be able to do it that the same thing that led Bennett to be the choice over those two guys in the 2021 season may also and I think there's a sense that logic would dictate it it probably will would lead Bennett to be better than those guys again this year there as well but giving them their chance at least paying paying you know homage to the idea that the that the job is open for someone else to to emerge worthy of being able to play I think that's an appro- a pretty appropriate thing to do. Now, let's not you know, kid ourselves here. You can't have an open competition amongst four guys. There's just not enough practice reps to go around that you do have to whittle this down. And eventually, you probably have to whittle it down to maybe two. If you're going to have the open competition at all, you may have to whittle it down to, the, to, to a couple of guys by the end of the spring. The guy who's on the outside looking in on all of that may very well pack up and choose to uh, move on. I would presume that Gunnar Stockton's not thinking that way right now, having just arrived on campus. But between Vandegriff and, and Beck, the odds are likely chance that maybe one of those guys leaves at some point in time quarterbacks have a tendency to tra- transfer out Georgia would not appear to be immune to that all the more reason to find out what you have in those guys right now which actually leads me into the next question the first question being will Stetson Bennett get the JT Daniels treatment are they confident enough in uh instead of Bennett to say about him going into this year what they said about Daniels going into last year which is he is the guy he is our starting quarterback or will this competition be more open that leads me to another thing here there as well in the past Smart has said quite frequently how confident he is how much he believes in the ability of of Brock Vandergriff, of Carson Beck to be able to step in and play if they were called upon so the next question I want to see an answer to here this spring is is what does that confidence that smart has in vandegriff and beck mean for them as they continue their georgia career let me give you an example of this this is from november this is almost near the end of of last season when being asked hey what do you think about these other quarterbacks that we don't get to see very much well once again smart reiterated what i just said there a moment ago that smart seems to be a believer in both these guys this is smart from november i've seen brock a lot up close because he's been the scout team uh, quarterback. You know, he's simulated a lot of these guys that we've had. Um, really athletic, uh, makes throws on the run, uh, very accurate. Um, 
competitive. You know, he, he, he likes going against that defense each day. He doesn't always have the best protection, but we're not hitting him either. Um, so he's done a really good job. Uh, Carson's continued to grow. You know, his, his, he hasn't had as many reps uh, as he had before, you know, before he was working with the twos. And now his reps come through either mental reps, walkthrough reps, or threes reps, which we get some uh, in practice. So I've been very pleased with both of their developments. And to be honest with you, I got complete confidence in both those guys as quarterbacks because I think they're, they're really, uh, really talented players. So you hear it there from Smart, complete confidence in both those guys. Well, how exactly will that confidence benefit back and Vandegrift as they both earn the right to try to get some playing time later on this fall? And how does that start for Georgia here this spring? The ultimate bottom line for me on this discussion is it's never a bad thing to have more than one good player. Georgia already knows it has a good player at this position. Stetson Bennett led Georgia to a national championship and put up some pretty impressive stats there along the way. But the presumption might be that he's not the only guy in this position who's also capable of playing. Smart's own words give us a little bit of a hint that Vandergrift could potentially succeed if called upon, and Carson Beck could there as well. Do we get a chance to see a glimpse of that here this spring? It's going to be a very fascinating thing to observe as Georgia finds itself in a position that it hasn't been in quite some time. Coming back as a national champion with the starting quarterback who led Georgia to that national championship still in the mix of the upcoming season. And a whole bunch of young guys behind him who could be very good in their own right. This position could be awfully fun to watch here this spring. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and glad to have you with us. Normally, first and 15, dognation.com, not doing the first and 15 here this week, just simply because of uh, my vacation. This is a pre-recorded show. We don't try to trick you about that. If we're not here live, we try to make sure you're aware of that, today being one of those days. But for all the rest of the folks on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, thank you for being a part of it podcast still putting it out there per usual radio still on the radio even this week as well on Athens sports radio 963 f we just appreciate all the folks who tune in on across all the platforms and thank you for letting me take a little bit of vacation time here this week there as well i certainly appreciate that and of course the ability to do a show even travel go on vacation all the fun things i get a chance to do of course great sponsors make all that so possible including our friends at kroger and man i love the great new opportunity that exists with our friends at kroger have you heard about kroger boost it's a brand new membership uh, opportunity you have there that includes all kinds of great incentives you can get uh, all kinds of special offers you can get twice the fuel points uh, you get a lot of great things free grocery delivery uh, for instance there as well so many great things coming your way by being a member of kroger boost so to find out more about this i want you to check out the website it's kroger.com slash boost that's kroger.com slash boost and you can learn all about that today great to have them and you as well as part of Dog Nation Daily here today. So before we're done on today's program there as well, one of the things we're going to start doing, we're going to do this over the course of the next few days, looking at a couple of different SEC teams per day and trying to take a little bit of a deep dive here, both in terms of what they're bringing in, what they did a year ago, kind of what the analytics folks are saying, and just try to get a little bit of a picture in our mind of what Georgia's top competition in the SEC East may be for the upcoming season, how the rest of the league looks as well as more attention than ever being paid to the national runner-up Alabama, the number one recruiting class of Texas A&M, covering all of that ground here over the course of the next few days. I'll also say this there as well, which is that some of these shows were kind of spliced together a little bit. So 
I'm going to be wearing a number of outfits. The outfit I'm wearing right now, you'll probably see a lot over the course of the next week. But a couple of the interviews, I was also wearing something different. So try not to pay too much attention to that. Uh, try instead to, I guess, keep your attention on the content that we're delivering. I am really excited about the shows that we're doing over the course of the next few days. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, coming up right now, a chance to talk to Jeff Sintel. The 2022 signing class is in the books. A lot of those guys are now on campus. 19 early enrollees, huge number there. Guys that have a chance to be impact players this spring, contributing players here this fall, and a lot of guys worth your attention, maybe even some you haven't fully considered all the way yet. So let's get some of that right now with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. It's part of a vacation week's worth of shows that we hope are still very fun for you. So thanks for being a part of it. Hope you enjoy Jeff right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, always want to get some recruiting talk with Jeff Sintel, including on what is the start of a little bit of a vacation time for me. Jeff's got some vacation time coming up himself, so probably works out pretty well for both of us to get this done here today. And, you know, Jeff, I think it's one of those things where there is still a lot that can be said about the 2022 recruiting cycle. We're kind of in the mode of 2023 now, but we're also still a few weeks before the start of spring practice and so many early enrollees from this 2022 signing class for UGA that looking at who has a chance to have a big first season on campus, who has a chance to maybe make a name for himself during spring practice. All of that really seems pretty appropriate right now. So if you don't mind, here in the midst of this 2023 cycle, let's take a look at these 2022 guys before they get going and start their Georgia careers here for a moment. Let me begin with you, if you will, on what is always maybe the most common question this time of year, that when you look at the big haul that Georgia just brought in, can you whittle it down and zero in on a small handful of names that you think are maybe of these Georgia 2022 sunnies the most likely to maybe make an early contribution to kind of maybe play right away if i ask you for a small number of those names who would it be well i guess brandon uh, I, I look at it in two different ways i look at the guys that the depth chart and their skill set kind of allows them to bust through and with that i would name a, a couple of guys like you know you have to kind of think that malachi starks would, would get some too deep action the five-star who has, I'm going to say, Champ Bailey level of athleticism. And then you have uh, Dalen Everett, the guy that was going to go to Clemson until Lincoln Riley decided to go to USC, and that ended up eventually sending Brent Venables at Clemson, the popular defensive coordinator there, to Oklahoma, which made Dalen Everett's home at Clemson not as appealing anymore. I think those guys at corner make a lot of sense and safety in Starks' case, really because if you look at Georgia's roster right now, they don't have a lot of corners. Darian Kendrick has moved on to the NFL draft selection process. There's Jalen Kimber in the portal, uh, a guy that maybe should have been here, according to a lot of what folks might have thought, would have been a guy like uh, Tyreek Stevenson if he would have came back for his full year. So Georgia's kind of thin at corner right now. you got a bunch of guys like Kamari Lasseter, Javon Bullard, who are basically interchangeable players that can play star that can play safety that can play corner and then you've got keely ringo as far as the names that got a lot of playing time last year uh nylon green somebody to still think about there i guess a little bit but um the thing about the cornerback spot that that's really great about this 2022 class because brendan a lot of folks aren't really there's a segment of, of folks out there of our dutiful listeners that really don't lean in and pay really close attention to these guys until they're signed and i think this is a really good service for the for the audience out there because 
There are a couple of guys like that that I mentioned where their depth chart at corner and safety will probably allow somebody really talented to break through. But then there's a couple of names I want to add to my kind of thought process here. And that's a guy like Michael Williams and a guy like Oscar Dell, which I think those guys are just so thinking good at what they do that they're going to crack, they're going to, they're going to rise and crest and they're going to bubble through even with the amount of really good guys in front of them. I mean, the, the name, if we want to sound like smart guy, Connor Riley and always come with the most logical, simple answer, uh, you got to think Brett Thorson. I think Brett mm-hmm. Thorson will be this, the, the punter for Georgia from Australia. He's already just about as old as Jake Cremata, if not, if not older. That's how they do it in the Aussie league where those young men come and come over to college football and start dominating the Ray Guy awards around 21, 22, 22 years of age. So looking for a good handful of names, those are your handful of names. Let me do a different topic here for a moment. If I were to ask you about the most important 2022 signee for a moment, you know, I think about a guy like Ernest Green at the offensive line spot who if Georgia doesn't bring in Green, then you can make a case that maybe it didn't bring in at least on the basis of recruiting reputation, an elite player at that position group for this 2022 cycle. Or maybe you point to a guy like Branson Robinson. There is a need to make Georgia running backs great again, make the Georgia rushing attack great again. I thought it was very good in 2022, but maybe, or I should say 2021, but maybe not quite what it had been in, like, say, 2017, 2018, some of those kinds of years. And the presence of a guy like Robinson adding to that depth, maybe you could call him among Georgia's most important 2022 signees. If I ask you for kind of like that, superlative from this class of who is the addition that maybe ranks as important and and, and foundational fundamental as as anybody else who, who would you put in that category well i got two names and one of them is going to check both boxes in terms of the early impact and the most kind of integral cornerstone recruit one of those is michael williams who yeah. i just mentioned earlier i saw michael williams at the all-american games and uh, i'm going to not try to sound so dramatic here but he was a showstopper he looked like the best player in the country. And what was surprising to me is I knew Michael has always had five-star talent, but I thought maybe he would get to the All-American stage and not so much struggle. I never saw him struggling, but I think he would he would kind of get some deep water and it might take him a day or two to adjust. And really, Brandon, Michael Williams just obliterated everybody in his way. He, he went out there trying to look like he was the best player in the country and did pretty much resoundly that, resoundly that he finished as the number four overall player in the country on the 24-7 sports composite. Another name I got to throw in there because I look at the way Georgia's recruited and I look at the roster of the defending national champions right now and I think our audience has reached the point where, okay, who are these guys that are going to maybe step out of a little bit of what we're, we're accustomed to as the norm for great Georgia football recruiting classes? I think Michael Williams is one of those guys, and I also think Marvin Jones Jr. is one of those guys. That's another outside linebacker, uh, edge type for Georgia. And I think both of those young men, Michael Williams and uh, Marvin Jones Jr., the son of the former Florida State All-American linebacker, I think those guys have the ability to become top 10 overall draft picks one day. I really do, top 10, top 15. I think they can advance their positions at Georgia respectively the way some of the greats that Georgia's had in the years past have done so. I look at those guys. Both of those guys can play out on the edge. They can put their hand on the ground and maybe play a traditional defensive end. I think Michael Williams worked exclusively at defensive tackle uh, during the All-American Bowl out in Texas. I think both of those guys, Brandon, the, the the one striking statement I can put together for both of those guys is they look more like Trayvon Walker. Mm-hmm. and yet they run more like an Adam Anderson or a, or a Nolan Smith. It seems Georgia has evolved that edge position or some of their defensive line positions 
to where they look like some of the guys like the Joey Bosa's and the Chase Young that have had so much success in the NFL and in the NFL draft and in their college time at uh, Ohio State. So along those same lines, I think you bring up kind of an interesting description of not just first-round picks, maybe like top 10 picks. And there is, uh, in my mind, a differentiator there. It's almost like the NFL version of like the lottery pick in basketball, kind of front end of the the first round. And if I'm looking at future guys who kind of have that – potential attached to them Mikel would be one of those guys for me and Marvin Jones Jr. would be one there as well is that kind of it for you in terms of hey beyond just being a first round pick but maybe being one of the best players in the entire sport and one of the hottest prospects in the entire you know pre-draft process three or so years from now you know it seems like Jones and, and Williams kind of start that conversation is there anybody else in this 2022 class that's even close to being on that list for you because I, I don't know that there would be for me I don't know that I'd put anybody in that kind of Mikel Marvin Jones Jr. category of you know in a in a room full of elite level prospects they seem to be you know separated by some velvet ropes even in comparison to the rest of the class to me yeah I, I think I'm glad you asked that question because there's a name you know, I have like a mental Rolodex that I want folks to know about the guys in this class. And the one, the, the, I can't go through this depth and width of thought about this 2022 class without really including the name Jalen Walker. I don't know mm-hmm. if Jalen Walker is ever going to be seen as a, as a top 10, top 15 overall pick, but I think he'd be seen as a first rounder or a second rounder. And I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, Brandon. I get, I've gotten from day one the same vibes about Jalen Walker as I did about Nakobe Dean, as I did about Aziz Ojolari. These are young men that maybe not might, might not be the highest of highest rated guys, even though Nakobe was a five-star prospect. Jalen's kind of the number 45, number 42 overall player in the country. Yeah. But what, what sets him apart, and it's the way when he can walk into a one-on-one meeting with Kirby Smart or Glenn Schumann and impress everyone with his football knowledge, his passion, his character, he can walk into a locker room with all the guys and everyone would kind of have instant respect for him because this man has recruited very hard on the low low for Georgia and not, not even on the down low. He's been very demonstrative about how much he loves Georgia on social media, but also more importantly, whatever you see from him on social media, he's probably tripled his efforts when he's working behind the scenes, talking to guys, trying to get them to come play at Georgia. I, I really see him as a leader of the class. I see him kind of establishing his own niche at linebacker in the same ways that Roquan Smith did and and Kobe Dean did as well. And I think there's just a a lot that goes with Jalen. We've chronicled how he wants to be an orthodontist when football is over, and that's a goal he's had in mind since he was an early teenager. His father is a a head coach at the Division II level at Catawba College in Salisbury, North Carolina. He was an incredible basketball player where he's got that insane kind of athleticism where – he was actually playing in the North Carolina State playoffs and catching touchdowns in the state championship game as a tight end, not a linebacker. And then yeah. he was also the type of guy that was also involved in that same spring in the North Carolina high school basketball playoffs as kind of that do-everything, maybe Ben Wallace-type defender that would block shots, defend the paint, and really play above the rim. He's really got a unique skill set, Brandon, but really what sets him apart is he has the mindset, and this is the – the most honored thing I can say about anybody that signs to play for the University of Georgia, because everybody's really thinking good or they wouldn't be brought in by Kirby Smart, but I think they have the ability and the capacity to be a team captain, and they have the ability and capacity to be one of the guys that represent the University of Georgia at SEC Media Days one day. When I think about those roles for Jalen Walker, I think it is a seamless fit. 
It's a great description. I love that. Let me kind of finish with this on the notion of the sleeper in the 2022 class because I've kind of put my chips down on Darius Smith's you know table on this and I know you've written a great story recently about him at dognation.com but when I think about the speed which Smith has and the length which he has coming off the edge you know a couple Fridays ago we kind of had some fun with uh, videos that Darius has shared of himself running track and playing basketball going up high off the glass and getting a block shot I, I like the tall edge rusher I like the speedy edge rusher smart has even talked about that in relationship how important that ability to run is for guys like this they want to put in this Georgia defense I'm not obviously guaranteeing anything because a lot of times things can't be guaranteed but in relationship to what his recruiting ranking is versus what I think the overall athletic profile is I think that Smith has a real chance to be a sleeper in this class do you see another sleeper or two that may be not getting enough attention right now compared to what you think he might be able to do in a Georgia uniform yeah I like I like the Smith pick there Brandon I just kind of see him He's going to be stunted a little bit, not just because he's raw, but I think he's going to have to put on about 30 pounds uh, to get around 6'6", 255 or so, 250 or so. Um, But the fact that he runs the 400 meters in high school and might even be a state champion in the 400 meters in high school, and this is a guy that will rush the passer for Georgia, is pretty fantastic news for Georgia fans. Um, I just think he's going to have an incubation period of maybe like two seasons, one to two seasons before he really breaks out. A name that I think, and maybe this is a sleeper slash cross your fingers dog nation because this guy's got a hit, and I think it's the nylon more set. Mm. Uh, if you guys, if you guys will notice a, a common thread throughout my comments, this is a defensive slanted, a defensive heavy class. Um, I think, I think my last count, I think I had nine of the top thirteen players, highest rated players in this class, are all for the defensive side of the ball. So the good part of that is I think Georgia will have a a championship level defense just as strong maybe in a different way with the back end and with the, the second level and the front level all being superior units uh when georgia's trying to stalk a championship with a national championship defense in 2023 and 2024 i think the offensive side of the ball is a little slighted here because i don't know if there's as many game breakers or impact guys there consequential consequentially kind of in comparison to the defense but the nylon's a guy that everybody thinks uh, has a lot of potential. He did wow during bowl practices, and we always pay attention to what folks say about how the young kids look during bowl practices. But then he's going to be one of those uh, type of receivers, maybe in the 80 Mitchell mode, who's not 6'4 and 220, that has those gazelle-like arms that just motor down the field and have incredible catch radiuses. But I think the nylon is one of those young men that just has a lot of game. He has a lot of the way he runs his routes, the physical way he plays, the way he can run after the catch where he really looks like a physical player, almost like a running back when he gets in the open field. I think the nylon's the guy. And I think the other another name I want to mention, just to be fair on the offensive side, is I think Gunnar Stockton is a guy that will eventually impress should he give him the chance. Everybody keeps going back and forth about Gunnar because they saw his rankings dip a little bit because he didn't really participate in a lot of the marketing which is the Elite 11s, the, the, the Rivals camps, the Under Armour Regionals, things like that, that give those evaluators a chance to really notice him. Um, he left Georgia High School football as the most, probably, arguably the most accomplished schoolboy passer in Georgia high school football history. I think only Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson are in that discussion there, and that's awful, awfully mighty great company to be in. But everybody wonders about Gunner. I think Gunner 
can do every bit of the same things that we saw out of Stetson Bennett this year for Georgia uh, and probably take that another level. Why do I say that? Because I think the arm talent's there. I think he's maybe not as quick, but just he's harder to get on the ground. He almost runs like a fullback at some time. He has a tremendous arm. And, and Brandon, this young man, I don't know how you could knock him out of the lineup. I think some of his high school games resembled Rocky movies in, in terms of how he took so much punishment and just kept coming and coming. He, he has the respect of his teammates. And I think, you know, everybody wants that Trevor Lawrence type or that future number one draft pick five-star quarterback. But I think Gunnar Stockton's legend and the way it's grown and when his time comes in Georgia, he's going to be a guy that's very capable based on what he's done in high school football, what he did at the All-American game. People people are often apt to question, hey, how can he run around like that in, in the SEC the way he did at Georgia high school football? Well, I think he's a better athlete than Matt Corral, and I think Matt Corral had a pretty good time running around SEC defenses in his own route. And I saw him do it, Brandon, at the All-American Bowl, where he ran away from very accomplished guys when plays broke down. He wiggled out of traffic. He put his head down, and I think he clocked the guy at, a goal line for, at the goal line for a touchdown for the East team. A lot of good things to like about Gunnar Stockton, and I think that the less people that are hyped about him and the less people that are really cranked up about what he can be, I think that will serve him well in his career at Georgia because he's a young man that doesn't need that type of stuff to succeed. Jeff, great stuff. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger today. We'll look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thanks, buddy. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Great stuff from Jeff Sintel there, talking some UGA recruiting with that. We'll kind of shift our way over to cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And this is actually one of those moments where I really am cruising around the I'm not cruising around the SEC, I'm cruising around the Caribbean. I am on a Royal Caribbean cruise right now, and boy... Uh, I'm assuming that I'm having a very good time. I'm going to trust that I am on all of that. And I just, I just have been looking forward to it for such a long time. It's one of those things where I'm just ready for it and, you know, going to Perfect Day Coco Cay, which we're, uh, which we're actually doing on this cruise and visiting so many other great ports there as well, taking advantage of cool things on board, especially restaurants, you know, Chops Grill, all those kinds of things. And the great news is, as I enjoy my own personal Royal Caribbean cruise and as we're cruising around the SEC with you, we remind you that you can be – on a Royal Caribbean cruise with us there too because Dog Nation is heading on the seas on Independence of the Seas coming up in April. And if you go to dognation.com, right at the top of the page, there's a link to find out more about the Dog Nation cruise. And there's only limited space available for this. A few spots left to be with us on the Dog Nation uh, cruise uh, going on Independence of the Seas out of Port Canaveral there April the 25th and going to Perfect Day Coco Cay, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, enjoying all the great things on board a beautiful ship, Independence of the Seas. I've been actually doing a little bit of an early preview of that one, even though I'm on a different ship right now i have been doing a little bit of a look ahead with the cool stuff happening on independence of the seas and man i'm excited about being on that one there uh too and what's actually gonna make that really fun is i get a chance to be with all of you there too so if you go to the page dognation.com you can click in and still get involved while well, there's a, still a little bit of space left to join us for uh the dog nation cruise coming up in april you can also check out our friends at the cruise and vacation authority website tcava.com for them or 770-952-8300 that's the number 770-952-8300 but the dog nation cruise is coming up leaving out of port canaveral on april the 25th going to nassau in the bahamas going to perfect day coco Cay, and 
including you, hopefully, uh, there with us uh, for that. Kind of a kind of behind-the-scenes look at what it's like being around Dog Nation for a few days. Except we're going to be doing it in the Bahamas on a beautiful cruise ship with our friends at Royal Caribbean. It's going to be a great time. Can't wait to see you there for that. Now, speaking of cruising around the SEC, wanted to do something special for while we're on vacation here. And I wanted to kind of take a little bit of a snapshot of where things stand around the SEC with you know who's coming into programs kind of what's going on here a little bit of an analytics look at some of this kind of stuff and just give you a little brief snapshot of each of the teams now we're not going to do Vanderbilt because we don't have time to but we're going to do two of these each day and for the most part it's going to be a team from the east team from the west we are going to do two SEC West teams next Friday but just a little bit of a snapshot of where these things are right now and it seems pretty appropriate to start with the team that Georgia fans ought to hate more than anybody else, those lousy, stinking Gators. Let's give you a little bit of a look here at Florida as we're cruising on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, in terms of what the outlook justifiably, reasonably should be for Billy Napier's first year as Florida coach. Let me show you this here on the screen for a moment. So if you want to go back to last year, Florida was 6-7 and seven with an SEC record of 2-6. and six. That's an awful league record, but what you kind of see when you look at some of the deeper numbers is this is not a program devoid of talent necessarily 22 recruiting class was 16th that's not great but it's also not awful the uh, overall uh, s and uh, p plus rank that's from bill conley from espn that's 18th so this is still a florida team that has some hope of being competitive here this year you look at some major transfer portal additions obviously the one that probably should have gotten more attention than has is the fact that Jalen Kimber heads over there. That's a guy that you know could really play for Florida and really be a contributor to the program. Also, quarterback Jack Miller coming in out of Ohio State. This has been a program that's kind of feasted in the transfer portal now for quite some time, and portal additions could be a big part of what they do here this year too. So this is a scenario where you know Florida being at least somewhat competitive is probably likely. Now, the chasm between Gators and Georgia probably continues to be pretty vast and obviously a lot of the story for billy napier is what he's going to be able to do to bring in more talent for the program for next year for the 2023 campaign but you know based on those numbers alone you know not necessarily impossible that florida could be certainly more competitive this upcoming season they were a year ago you know it's that sec record that ultimately gets dan mullen fired and that's what billy napier is going to have the task of trying to improve as he you know, uh, takes over here in his first year. So that's a little bit of a brief look at the Florida Gators. Let me give you another team here now. Let's take a little bit of a snapshot look at the Texas A&M Aggies here for a moment. Obviously, you know the thing that A&M most famous for right now, and you see it right there on your screen, number one recruiting class in the country according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. Also, the number one class of all time when you look at the historic rankings from 24-7. But the record on the field last season, nowhere near as pretty. Eight and four, including a four and four mark in the SEC. Now, starting off the season, once again, ESPN SP Plus actually likes the Aggies a good bit. They are sixth preseason, according to the SP Plus rankings. Interesting that that comes on the heels of an offense that really scuffled for the most part last year. Everybody remembers the big win against Alabama, but ultimately that is not really the most accurate snapshot of what Texas A&M was offensively last season. This is a team that, that, that struggled a good bit on that side of the ball, but not necessarily enough to drag down its preseason rating from the analytics service necessarily all that much. Of course, the big transfer addition is Max Johnson. He is in. Zach Calzada is out. Haynes King still in the program. So you could see a little bit of a battle between King and and Johnson to eventually be the starting quarterback. Some people seem to think that uh, Max Johnson may win that. I guess I'm probably in that group maybe a uh, bit there. But 
this has been the one thing that Jimbo hasn't had. At everywhere else he's been, he's had the quarterback. You know, he's you know going back to his time at Florida State, going back to his time as offensive coordinator at LSU many years ago. Quarterback was kind of a thing that he has had. That has not really been the case when it comes to uh, Texas A&M thus far. And Max Johnson, who you know showed some promise at times uh, at LSU, obviously a guy from the Athens area that a lot of you know Georgians you know know a little bit about. He's going to now get that chance to be the quarterback that Jimbo has wanted. They're at Texas A&M as they try to do something to live up to the hype of what is an unprecedented level of success in recruiting. And maybe so far, Texas A&M, not enough on-field success. They're hoping to change that this year. We will make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And with that, we'll also get ready to wrap up this edition of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And of course, even though I'm on vacation, we still do golden shoes, still give a little love to folks there who've sent some stuff in. In fact, I was actually behind on golden shoes for a while, probably still am, but but you know, getting a chance here to uh, to show off uh, some stuff here for a moment that has kind of come in my way, including Philip Thomas. Thank you so much for Philip, who actually sent this in on my birthday, February 12th. He says, I have in-depth coverage of the Dogs National Championship. Great job on the epilogue in the book. He's got the Top Dogs book and a couple of those really good-looking uh Field editions from our friends at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Boy, it's great to be included in that and great to have Philip shouting us out there with all that really cool stuff. Philip, thanks for showing that off. It will make you our golden shoe winner for today. By the way, speaking of lousy, stinking gators, mentioned them a moment ago. How about a long drought for them? 4,789 days since Florida's won a national championship. And you know what? Billy Napier, first season, he better get used to losing to Georgia because he's going to do that again. Coming up 255 days from right now, that is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.